Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. This broadcast, we have two special guests um, that will be joining us today um, that I I think uh, you, my audience, will find just as fascinating, a husband and wife team. We have uh, Dr. Madhur Anand, who is an ecologist and poet, and her husband, uh, Dr. Chris Bao, who is a mathematical biologist. Uh, Dr. Anand is from the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada, and Dr. Bao is um, in the Department of Applied Mathematics at the University of Waterloo in Canada. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, to our faithful listeners, welcome back, and thank you for being part of our family of over 5,000 listeners every month. And to our new listeners, we're glad you've joined us. Um, you know, I, this this broadcast is really uh, a continuation. Uh, some of you who listened in over the last few weeks, we've talked a little bit about um, well, actually, for months, we've been talking about the pandemic and the virus, and and so this uh, is is more of a continuation. But from last week, we we had someone on talking about uh, from the perspective of a non scientist uh, what the virus meant, what it is, um, and now we have two individuals that are doing some very interesting work and research. Um, in applying game theory to vaccination planning. So we've, we've heard even more recently that um, there are places, in, at least in the U.S., where um, the vaccination planning hasn't been going so well, and in other places it's going better. Um, but um, I, my two guests uh, today are professors, and I'm going to have them tell you a little bit about the work they're doing um, and so I'll, I'll let either of you start, but um, I would love uh, for you to help me and the audience understand exactly first what is game theory and, and, and certainly jump in and tell us um, about yourselves as you, as you talk about this but, and the work you're doing, but would really love to know exactly what game theory is. Um, sure. So I'll start. This is uh, Madhuranand. Um, so game theory, I mean, kind of the simplest way of putting it is um, it's basically how a study of how people interact in a group where their own individual actions are um, affected by the behavior and actions of everybody around them. So there's this interaction within a group. So it's sort of the, like, most simply put um, what game theory is. And then there's lots of different games um, that people have studied. Some are more, you know, well-studied than others. 
Um, but essentially, it's, it's, again, how people interact in a group and how people might change their behavior, their strategic interactions based on what everybody else is doing. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a classic example called the prisoner's dilemma, which illustrates uh, a, a basic concept in game theory. So in the prisoner's dilemma, we imagine two people have been caught for a crime and uh, they're, they're put in separate cells and they're being interrogated. And, um, you know, they're told that, well, if you confess to the crime, uh, we'll, uh, um, we'll give you a lighter punishment. So e- each, um, each prisoner has a choice. They can either cooperate with uh, the other prisoner, th- their, um, their co-conspirator, and they can say, we're not going to say anything. They're not going to snitch. Mm-hmm. And if neither prisoner, prisoner uh, um, uh, snitches, then they get off free because they have no, because the police have no testimony. But one of the prisoners might think, well, if the other person is going to snitch, I'm in trouble, right? So, so I better snitch so that I can get a reduced penalty. So, um, so there's this temptation to um, talk to the police uh, um, and therefore defect against your compatriot in the other cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so we had this kind of situation where the, the best thing the prisoners should do is they should both remain quiet and not tell the police that they did it in which case they would both go free, and that would be best for both of them. But what they're thinking individually is that, well, you know, the thing is, if, if, if I stay quiet, but my, the other guy snitches, then I'm going to be in deep trouble. Uh, and, and so they might snitch just to try to prevent that outcome from happening. So what Game Theory predicts in this situation uh, is that the prisoners will talk uh, mm-hmm. to the police, and or they'll both go to prison for uh, a reduced sentence. But... Um, but, uh, uh, but whereas the best thing for them to do would have been to stay quiet. So this is a kind of a classic example. And what it does is it highlights the fact that sometimes when we act, um, when we're trying to do what's best for ourselves, and if we're all acting in that way, then uh, we end up with an outcome which is not best for society as a whole, even mm. though it might be best for us individually. And, and that's uh, kind of one of the contradictions that game theory studies. Wow, that's fascinating. And I guess it's, it's really, I mean, it, it draws on some of the things that we, we know, or at least we learn from a very early age intuitively, too, about, um, you know, being responsible and thinking about kind of the community as a whole. Um, um, very fascinating. And I know that, um, uh, uh, Madur, you you have done some some work um, about modeling human environment systems, and 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 so I assume some of this had something. This is part of the work that you've been doing on vaccination planning, and so I guess what's the connection? How I mean, how does it work that um, where if you're using some of these theories uh, about human behavior? Um, how have you applied that to what should happen uh, for a vaccination plan? What, what, are, what are the ways in which you've predicted that? Yeah, so um, Chris and I have actually been collaborating on this area of human environment systems for like over 10 years now. Um, and so we've published like a number of papers where we couple, you know, 
often, but not always, but often game theoretical studies of human behavior with some sort of environmental system. So we've kind of applied these ideas to um, how to mitigate invasive species, how to curb pollution in different areas. Um, what, there, what other examples out well, there? Forest pests. Uh, yeah, that, another invasive yeah. species example. Um, and most recently, we've actually applied this approach to climate change mitigation. Mm. And um, a lot of all of these problems have in common is correctly exactly how you you know what you've um, what you've identified is that um, there's often a public good that is really really hard um, to sort of sometimes understand or conceptualize or imagine when everybody's sort of behaving um, at the individual level. Um, and so climate change is sort of a very classic example of that where the um, negative impacts of climate change, um, you know, affect everybody. Um, and while well, we, we know now that it's affecting some people more than others, of course, um, but in terms of the um, um, response to it, um, we don't always see that, that indirect, um, you know, the indirect benefits of mit mitigation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the grand challenges that, you know, before, before COVID hit us, our big grand challenge uh, was climate change. And it still is. Um, um, it's just that it'll, we're, we're, we have to get over this pandemic first. Mm -hmm. um, so we were on a model of um, coupled social and environmental dynamics of climate. Um, and in fact, it was just, you know, as the pandemic hit, the, the, um, it, it occurred to us that, you know, a lot of the same problems that we're facing with modeling environmental problems, um, whether it's climate change or forest pest mitigation, because forest pest mitigation, again, is very much dependent on human behavior. And mm -hmm, I can go into mm -hmm. details on that um, mm -hmm. later if people are interested, but basically it comes down to people spreading firewood far distances. So it's, it's very mm -hmm. much dependent on human behavior. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so we had students like us, a PhD student and a postdoc working on those two problems. And as soon as COVID hit, we thought, okay, these, all of these exact issues that we're facing with these environmental problems apply to how we're going to mitigate in the pandemic, specifically mm. how we're going to deal with human behavior um, interventions, whether it's social distancing or whether it's the vaccine, because um, that's a whole a big a spectrum of ways in which humans would intervene to, um, to mitigate and, and eventually, um, um, you know, get, get through the pandemic. Sure. And, you know, well, you just said something that that um, made me think about you know, some of the uh, predictable uh, factors that you might have previously accounted for uh, in 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 this in this challenge with with the physical distancing, using masks, uh, whether a vaccine is introduced or not. Um, and then we had this rather different um, kind of political unknown where um, people, some people were, you know, not wearing masks. Some people weren't social distancing. Um, it, was that something that you, you think you would have predicted for um, the extent to which that has happened? I, I, you know, we, we've heard various 
um, various reports about the impact that, and even we talked about this last week on last week's show about the impact that um, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask had. Um, how did that affect your ability to model for that, though? Yeah. So what's interesting about our modeling as approach is we try to take into account these types of behavioral responses, which is not uh, typical for these disease models. Usually they assume behavior is fixed. And you, you, um, I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought up the mask example because there's a very close connection with that prisoner's dilemma dynamic and, and the mask use that um, I think we can illustrate with, with uh, uh, a hypothetical example. Um, so let's suppose that you know, the very first COVID case has arrived in a city uh, and this, this single COVID case has maybe 10 contacts, you know, friends and family that they can transmit um, the, the, the infection to. Now, what, what would be socially optimal uh, would be that if all 10 of the friends, um, uh, you know, wore masks and took precautions uh, and uh, socially distanced. Uh, and therefore, uh, if they did that, then that COVID first COVID case would also be the last COVID case, uh, and the 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 pandemic wouldn't take hold in that city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only cost would be to those that that person and their ten friends, they would have to wear masks and distance for a couple of weeks. But let's suppose now that among the ten friends, you know, some of them um, think, well, you know, why should uh, you know, why should I wear masks or distance? You know, it's my choice. Um, uh, and if enough of that person's contacts are careless enough, uh, then they'll, uh, of course, get infected. And suppose mm-hmm. two of the 10 mm-hmm. friends get infected. Now these, two, now, these two people, they've got their own circle of friends and family. Maybe each of them have 10, 10 people in their circle. And those people perhaps go through the same decision-making process. And maybe one or two of, of, of their circle of friends say, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's, it's my own personal decision. And, and, um, um, and, and so now those two new cases infect two more. And so two becomes four. And, um, and because of these imperfect rings of contacts where um, um, a few people are not taking the precautions, two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight mm-hmm. becomes 16. The epidemic keeps doubling like that. Until we're, we're in a situation that we have now, uh, mm. and and so that's a very clear example of, of where we have a socially optimal policy, whereby if we'd acted quickly uh, and um, nipped that problem in, in the bud, uh, we would be COVID-free, like New Zealand is uh, and like sure, China sure. is. Um, sure. But be because uh, because of people are thinking about uh, uh, what's best for themselves. We have these imperfect uh, half measures that, you know, they, they work, they help flatten the curve, they prevent deaths, but uh, we don't have enough people um, uh, adhering to these interventions. And uh, because they're trying to maximize their own payoff, their, their own self-interest, um, rather than going for the socially optimal solution. And because of those types of uh, uh, behaviors, we're now in the situation where we have to go into lockdown, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted mm-hmm. to add though that of course, you know, um, you know, it, when it comes to actual like putting all this stuff into practice, we, we're fully aware of the, um, that humans are very diverse individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. some behaviors are, are, are general, like wearing a mask is, is what everybody should be doing. Um, ultimately um, it's, 
something like social distancing or now, for example, stay-at-home orders uh, here in Ontario, right, there, it's going to be a lot easier for some people to, to, to engage with those behaviors than others, right? So mm-hmm. what I want to add here is that there's definitely a role for policymakers and governments to do whatever is necessary to make sure that the behaviors that are um, required by individuals, by their citizens, is something that they're able to do. And um, because it's essential that we have a number of people, uh, you know, uh, adhering to to these behaviors. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And of course, it's a very idealized example. So we don't always know if our neighbors are infected with COVID, for example, and there are these differences between people that Madhur discussed. Uh, there's political biases and other factors, but um, but that kind of gets to the gist of the problem. You know, the fact that we tend to wait until the cases are too high before acting, and, and sure. we do that because you know let's say that social distancing is is costly, uh, um, 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 uh, and, and so we try to put it off uh, because we don't want to have to do it if we if we can avoid it. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, the best way to actually control the outbreak is to um, you know, it's like uh, that Netflix show, Cobra Kai, some of your listeners may have seen, you know, strike first, strike hard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and if you do sure. that, you can control the way New Zealand and, and China did. Um, but that requires, uh, you know, um, that requires the right mix of, of uh, um, the, the right mix of interventions and, and behavior. Yeah. And, yeah, and, sure. and government. Sure. And, and you know, uh, Madhu, you, you mentioned uh, the policymakers. Uh, I'm just curious, I, you know, I know that uh, and probably my, my bend from, on the science side of, of things um, is why I've, I picked up on this article that you wrote. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious. Uh, typically, you know, the work that you do is so important. And I know, uh, Chris, you've you've uh, developed models that um, has been uh, you've been in research uh, as a research partner with the WHO, FDA in the U.S. and and uh, the Gates Foundation. Uh, how do you how did you and how do you get uh, kind of, you know, poly policymakers to listen? You know, you're mathematicians and and you know, ecologists. How do you get uh, policymakers to listen to you uh, discuss mathematical models of transmission? You know, people. You know, a lot of times they want to see they want to see real. You know, what they would qualify as real data. How how do you know that this is what would happen? And and for the most part, a lot of the work that you're doing is uh, predictive modeling. So how do you get policymakers to 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 tune in to what you're saying and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's always the greatest challenge with scientists um, and with the uptake of science in society. Um, you know, I do have to say that there is a there's a there's a large team of scientists working on COVID modeling in 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 Canada and Ontario, and and we're part of that team. And um, you know, the many voices um, of of scientists working on these models, and there's so many um, different you know aspects of the models, but they all basically are saying the same things with respect to uh, what should be done. Um, and you know the projections for the numbers of cases and numbers of, de- of deaths, et cetera. Um, you know, I think it's just the many voices, the strong voices, um, the you know providing information in in ways that are um, 
useful to policymakers, right? It's all kind of the same, all the same issues. Um, but I think, you know, one remarkable thing that has happened, and I, I, I think it was working really well for the first wave was, was there was a, a sudden um, increase in public understanding of, mm-hmm. you know, what epidemiological modeling is. And, you mm-hmm. know, this whole concept flattening the curve, for example, right. um, is, 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 it's a term that, you know, I mean, we're, we're literally referring to a graph, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, that's amazing that that's in the public consciousness now. Um, so I think people, you know, um, you know, we were a bit late on it because it would have been great if we would have understood this a little bit better in, say, late January or February when, you know, uh, the first cases were being reported at a right. distance, uh, this idea of exponential growth, right, which is a really simple idea, but um, a really difficult one for uh, policymakers to, um, or, or anyone really, to kind of totally grasp in reality, right? But it's, mm-hmm. um, so, um, yeah, I guess what I want to say is, like, I think that, the, you know, a lot of the science is, is in terms of the modeling, um, of course, there's all this other types of science required um, to study the virus itself. But in terms of the mathematical and epidemiological modeling, it's 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 relatively simple. I think it's fair to say, Chris. Like, mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know what needs to be done to uh, reduce deaths, um, and yeah, yeah, it's not um. It's not rocket science. So, so it's, uh, in a sense, so, so Brian, you alluded to the whole question of data, you know, what do you do if you don't have data, et cetera. And, you know, the reason why models have played such a role in this pandemic is that COVID is new. And uh, so we don't have empirical experience to rely upon. But what we do have is, is decades of modeling and, and data for diseases that we do have data on. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. the, the first SARS out was an analog for how we should respond uh, yeah. at first. And then we have influenza pandemics, respiratory, all kinds of respiratory pathogens. And we have decades of, of, of validated models to build upon for this very similar class of infection that is COVID-19. And so, yeah, in a sense, uh, you know, it's not rocket science. The, the lessons we know, we've known for decades what to do in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question is, how do you put all the pieces together? How do you get your testing rates up? And how do you make sure the population is, is, is adherent? So the easy part is figuring out what will control it. The hard part is figuring out, well, logistically, how do we get those vaccines out there? And, and how do we make sure that the public's on board? And what can governments do um, uh, to facilitate this whole process? And sure. the stickler at this, this time, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, you know, for many of us, um, the the idea of of looking at viruses and uh, patterns of of exposure, patterns of of uh, behavior uh, in individuals. This is all very new, you know. I mean, for a lot of us, even considering it, you know. So we've heard about uh, the flu. Um, we've heard about you know the smallpox outbreaks and measles, what have you, over time. Um, but you, you, the two of you have been working on this and uh, for a long time. And um, so my question is, how different is this really? Uh, and I mean different uh, from a human behavior perspective. When you look at this, have you been approaching this in a very similar way? Um, you know, we, we are hearing, you know, we, we're hearing this 
um, from various uh, outlets about, well, you know, this is uh, every hundred years, there's something like this that happens. And so it's kind of hard to distinguish, well, what, what is real and what is factual. But what we do know is that there have been other viral outbreaks, you know, with Ebola and others, but my, you know, and, and, and even, you know, with COVID-19, um, every time, you know, you turn on the television, there's something new and, and, you know, and dare I say frightening about what's happening. And, and so I don't know. And a lot of people that I've talked to are not clear about how much of this is being uh, sensationalized. And so, again, my question to you is how, how closely related is this to things that you've modeled before and that you've seen through other outbreaks? Mm. Well, you know, often the, uh, the population response is determined partly by the nature of the pathogen. So, for example, in the Spanish flu of 1918, uh, we saw a very similar response by the population. Uh, you know, there, were, there was uh, distancing. Most people wore masks, but there were also anti-mask activists in 1918. So there are some commonalities, um, especially for other similar types of pandemics. Uh, such as those spread by respiratory means. And, but then you have different pandemics spread differently, like HIV. So that was spread, is spread partly through sexual contact. And initially it was characterized as uh, a disease of homosexual men with this associated stigma. And so the, the social reaction there was, again, very different from the, the way we've reacted to COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. So the behavioral response uh, is we, we see broad similarities within types of pandemics um, w- uh, with similar types of, 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 of pathogens that are spread through respiratory means. Uh, and, and, we, uh, and, um, and there are interesting historical examples where people um, can often behave in surprising ways. For example, one surprise was with COVID was that you know, many were surprised at the extent to which uh, people uh, adhered to the lockdown in the first wave. Some people mm-hmm. thought, well, it's, it's only yeah. elderly people. We're not going to lock down. But more or less, we cohered pretty, most of us cohered pretty strongly to flatten the curve. And there is a great story about this village of Eam uh, in England during, during the Black Death in the 1400s. And they were uh, the first village to, in, in the north of England to get uh, infected by the Black Death. Uh, mm-hmm. And their reaction, similar to uh, the reaction of many people to COVID was that, well, I'm going to try to protect the people around me. So they voluntarily quarantined themselves uh, to protect the rest of that region from the Black Death. Um, so, you know, th- across history, we do see these similar, we do see similarities in behavior, but we also see differences that are informed by social stigmas and, and the way that diseases are transmitted. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. And, and so, um, I guess that I know we are, it's interesting. I, this is very fascinating with me. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned that, you know, some of this has to do with the, the scientists uh, in me. I, uh, when I uh, was working on my master's, I did a, uh, um, I was using Monte Carlo simulation uh, for, for predicting outcomes in exposure to pesticides, but that, that was another lifetime ago. But I, I, I am really interested, um, kind of the last thing for, to, to hear from you about is 
around the kind of the for our our listeners and certainly for me to hear about so how do you like what is the math to this um you know so you you when we say modeling i certainly understand what you mean but um what where does the math come in for making these predictions can you describe what that looks like for our audience we can, but I, before I let Chris take over, I want to mention that um, I don't know if you provide, if you can provide um, uh, follow-up links uh, to your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we, during the pandemic, we, um, we actually wanted our kids to, to, to get a better understanding of the math and just to see sort of how much you could understand with, with, with just a little bit of basic mathematical knowledge about this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we asked our grade school kids to uh, do up some, um, some videos. They're called Adults Get Schooled. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And there's three videos showing j- exactly what you're asking is sort of what it shows the equations of, of, of the co- of, of COVID modeling, very simple examples. Um, so we'll send you guys the link for that. Um, so absolutely. We'll along. post it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll post it on our website. Thank you. Yeah. I'll let Chris expand on that, but yeah. Yeah. So in the simplest form, you know, the models could basically be Excel spreadsheets where each cell in a column represents how many cases you have on a, on a given day or week. Um, in terms of what the researchers use in practice, they're a little bit more um, uh, sophisticated um, and uh, some of your listeners may know what differential equations are, uh, mm-hmm. and, and those are kind of, you know, you see those in first-year calculus courses the first time, and, and the, these differential equations are, they kind of track how, how cases and, and uh, mobility, population mobility, behavior change over time, uh, and, and you can kind of plot how cases looks versus time, and you can plot, for example, a, a, an epidemic curve that's being flattened. Um, and so, so those differential equations are the mainstay of, of modeling, most modeling. But you can do models as simple as, as, as Excel spreadsheets, and it's a great way to introduce, you know, high school students, for example, to mm-hmm. applying mathematics to biology, which is something they probably don't see very often, uh, mm-hmm. but which is, uh, you know, a big part of, of research nowadays. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I, I want to thank both of you uh, for for taking the time to join us. As I told you, you know, the 30 minutes goes really, really fast. And I know you're very busy. Yeah. I want to uh, personally thank you for the work that you're doing and just really encourage you to keep going. And um, we look forward to um, hearing more about the work that you're doing. And, um, and so uh, to our listeners, um, you've just heard from uh, a husband and wife team, uh, Dr. Madhur Anand, um, who is an ecologist. We, unfortunately, we didn't get to hear much about the poetry side, um, but um, who's also, who's an ecologist and poet, and her husband, Dr. Uh, Chris Bow, who is a mathematical biologist. And so they joined us from uh, Ontario, Canada, and um, really appreciate um, you being with us today. And so for those of you out there, stay uh, safe, uh, keep on your mask, and stay well uh, to everyone. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.